0: this week's Merge Conflict, we discuss all of the lovely programming languages, how to get that kick to learn one in just a week, and how to throw those darts, and who cares if they stick or not. All this and more on this week's Merge Conflict. You know, in the past, when I was learning development and programming languages, I found it really easy to kind of open up an IDE, start writing some code and understanding and learning the core principles. You know, I've learned C Sharp and Java and C++, and I've kind of evolved to standardize on C Sharp, but I can still look at Java code and write C++ code if I need to, but there's so many new exciting languages that are happening out there like F-sharp and Rust and Go and you know whether it's web or maybe it's you know desktop, there's so much excitement going on. And I have a problem, Frank, which is that every time I go to learn a new language, I just can't seem to make it stick. Like I go to open up Visual Studio and write some F-sharp, which I'm super excited to learn. I really want to. And I just don't.
1: Yeah, well... You're in good company because I first ran into F-Sharp in 2003, 2004, something like that. But I didn't start using it as a real programming language until just recently. So even though I had probably your same level of knowledge right now, I knew the language. I could read some of the code, something, something, something. But I spent my whole day running C-Sharp code. I think all it is, is there's just no reason to switch. Uh, Why learn a language if you don't need to use it every day? Well, I mean, to me,
0: I want to learn these languages because I want to know if there's an advantage or there's some interoperability between them or what am I missing out on? When I look at some of the new features we're adding in C Sharp 7, for instance, it seems like those features existed in F sharp or some other programming languages and now we want them, so we're taking yeah. them. So I kind of am playing that, um, you know, kid or you know, that uh, you get an Xbox, but you get a PlayStation four, right? So what are the differences there? What are, what am I missing out on? Do I need to have both in my life? Um, yeah, it you seems do, like you, you, you absolutely mixing. do.
1: And actually you need more than that, unfortunately. So How many do I, I need, oh, about four or five actually of very different languages. But let's get there. Uh, I have to apologize right now. I'm a bit of a programming language geek, so I might rattle on a little bit drunkardly <laughs> trying to get through this one. But getting back to your problem, um, yeah, you learned three languages, C Sharp, Java, C++, uh, but they're all of the same family. They're all kind of essentially, if you squint your eyes and crook your nose and hold your breath, they're all kind of the same language. They have improvements over one another. Uh, C-sharp has structures. It has a good garbage collector. But Java has a garbage collector. C++ doesn't. There's fine differences, but they're kind of the same language. So I think what you're noticing is a struggle to kind of break out of that family of languages. Does that sound right?
0: Could that sounds right. I mean, I, I think to me it was always like, oh, I can learn a new language overnight. It's just, it's just syntax. That's what I always mm-hmm. said. Well, yep. moving from Java to C Sharp, you just capitalize a bunch of stuff and you get Pascal
1: proper Basic. I mean, they're all kind of the same language, just and different that's how syntax. I,
0: exactly. And I learned Turbo Pascal, and I and I learned some Basic back in the day. We talked about this before, but I think yeah, the problem is like I can go to an F Sharp. Um, user group meetup, I can literally read the F sharp. I can understand Mm -hmm. what's going on. Like my brain doesn't want to switch. It's almost like when you go from WinForms to XAML, you know, (laughs) and you're like your brain doesn't want to make that switch. (laughs) Oh,
1: my brain brain still hasn't. So (laughs) please, (laughs) we'll have to do an episode on that. Uh, Yeah, uh, the last time I ran into that was when I was trying to learn Objective-C when I started doing iOS programming. Mm -hmm. And I had seen Smalltalk, actually, but I was not making the connection. All I could see was the C++. I couldn't see what they were trying to do with the object system. It didn't make any sense to me. But eventually, you kind of grapple with it because, in the very least, in that case, Objective-C was of that family of C Sharp, Java, C++. It's an object-oriented language with a procedural language. Very simple. We've been using them since the 90s.
0: And is that is that is that my problem like f sharp is an is ob, an it's object oriented to some extent right
1: it is. It's a multi-paradigm language. I think uh, a lot of languages are multi-paradigm. They start out in safe, happy spots, though. c started out as an object-oriented language. But as you said, it keeps adopting features from f and other languages that are more on the functional side. That's because functional programming has a lot of good things to contribute. But on the same side, object-oriented programming has a lot of things to contribute. So f like everything else, or sorry, I didn't actually mean to say that, like a lot of things. Uh is multi-paradigm. But but to get the real benefits out of the language, you do have to learn its home turf. And in this case, F sharp's home turf is functional programming. So while it is definitely object-oriented, you can cut corners, you can write what I like to call like C sharp code, but you happen to use F sharp syntax, you can definitely do that, but you're not learning the language. And it's tougher.
0: I think so. How do I learn? That's the question. Like I yeah. feel like even for people trying to learn C sharp, this is a big issue too. And I think I saw some of this on Continuous's forum. It's like, hey, I've I've learned Objective C and I would like to learn C sharp, right? That's what people come to or they have no job or they like to learn C sharp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't there's a lot of resources, but these languages are evolving and they're evolving yeah. fast. Um, so, you know, Swift is on like what two or three and um, <laughs> yeah, that's C-sharp's three, I, I think seven F sharp 4.1 is about to come out and Mm -hmm. uh, like, where do you begin? I guess is the question, because I feel like I'm still even learning C sharp, you know, and (laughs) and it's my main language every single day. So I don't, I don't know when you went to go learn F sharp, how did you do
1: it? So in F-sharp, I I learned it once, uh, first as a curiosity. I was a Lisp programmer, and so I can actually make this old joke that you were saying that C-sharp's evolving, taking features from other languages. A Lisp programmer would say, yes, they're just very slowly re-implementing Lisp, and maybe in 10 or 20 more years, we'll have a full version of Lisp, but whatever. Joke aside, um, I learned F-sharp as a joke, just as a lark, But then I started using it uh, more seriously recently after I actually did go to a little user group thing. Uh, A very prominent F-sharp community member. I'm going to mess up his name, so I don't even want to say it on air. But Matthias B. Everyone can look him up. He he runs a machine learning workshop, and he teaches it in F-sharp. And it was that workshop that actually kicked me back into F-sharp. Have you tried that machine learning one with him it's pretty awesome
0: I think most likely that's my failure is that I haven't I haven't like done any type of e-learning or any like type Uh of classes right yeah I mean when I learned c-sharp I had a book and I had an instructor that taught me the basic concepts and I just kind of started doing it yeah and I feel like that's what I probably need to do for f-sharp but I don't I don't want to buy a book because so I don't read books. I mean, I read books, but I don't like books. Actually, so I don't read books. Where I was Basically,
1: going I with that long story was I needed the kick of having an instructor. Mm. Or at least I needed the kick of a little bit of a challenge. So in, in his workshop, he uh, gives you a simple task of here's a lot of handwritten digits. I'm going to give you half of them. And by the end of the class, I want to have a program that can recognize the other half. Simple machine learning problem. hmm But we do it all using F-Sharp Interactive for the first Mm. time. And that was my gateway drug into F-Sharp, basically. So I just fell in love with F-Sharp Interactive. Uh, Typing in code, getting pretty much immediate feedback, as long as you were quick on the keyboard and could select things fast enough, all that kind of stuff. Uh, That was such it was a pretty revolutionary experience for me. I I had tried repls in the past. They were fun, but I could never see how to do real productive work in them. But F sharp is interactive really sold me. And so it became a point there where I was like, well, I'm just going to have to learn F sharp now because I want to use this tool. So you can come at it from many directions, I would say. Yeah. And that makes
0: sense. I mean, I think when I saw C sharp, I didn't, I I was living in a C plus plus world. Right. And, when you find C sharp, you're like, "Oh my goodness, this is all I ever wanted." Uh-huh. Uh huh. And
1: that's I could, I, said. I could
0: imagine, yeah. And and it's like this, is all I've ever wanted. It's garbage collection. I don't have to worry about this. I and know. then there's a link. Oh my! It's goodness, a unified you know. object
1: model, but it still has structures. How they pull that off? Magic, <laughs> it was good stuff.
0: And I feel like that's what maybe was your realization again when you when you saw the F sharp interactive. It was like that kicked like, wow, this is something really cool that I cannot do in the other languages.
1: And what it it really taught me was the difference between F-sharp and C-sharp in that environment. So just syntactically, just the way that you write code in F-sharp, how it's different from C-sharp, it's uh, more amenable to that situation. It's easier to use under those circumstances. You're not constantly matching curly braces. If you want to change the scope of something, you just change its indentation level. So that's a place where you can start to see that Things like languages that take white space seriously don't do it just, again, on a lark. They do it for really good reasons in that the code becomes easily more refactorable, things like that. Or at least you don't have to have you know the megawatts of Roslyn to do simple refactorings. So I think the tools can actually teach you a bit about the language and guide you along that path. But again, so, it's the functional path, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so, and so this doesn't turn into a F-sharp versus C-sharp yeah. discussion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. You, you, you early early on, you you describe yourself as kind of a pro, program language junkie, Like right? You enjoy yeah. going and learning these different languages that are out there, and I think I would, too. I want, I like, I want to, mm-hmm. that's the thing is, I want to. And not that I, like, don't have this desire to go learn F-sharp or some other language, like Rust or Go, mm-hmm. I think Go would be really cool to learn. Um, it's not that I don't want to, it's just that I'm failing to do this, but you call yourself like a junkie and that you enjoy doing this. So how how many programming languages do I need to know?
1: (laughs) How many do you need to know? Um, I'm going to go with, let's go with families of languages. Mm. So there are, yeah, there are, let's go with three top level families. There are the procedural languages, which unfortunately object-oriented programming gets grouped into that. So throw that into the procedural imperative group. Then you got the functional guys. Oh, sorry, we should name some languages. Uh, C Sharp, Java, C++. Basically everything you know (laughs) goes into that group. I'm I'm
0: your basic procedural (laughs) object-oriented type of developer. I love the world that I live in. It's great. It's a a lovely world that I don't want to leave, but yes.
1: And and for the programming language nerds out there also, uh, you could be a little more particular about the object-oriented languages versus the others, but I'm being mean and just tossing them in. Throw them in there. Yeah. And then the other big family that we all know and love is functional programming. So put that in a whole different group. And then the third one that I'm going to mention is logic programming, which is prologue, which is if you think functional programming is something to wrap your mind around, try to get your mind around logical programming, where you don't say how to do something. You just say what you want. And it's up to the compiler and the runtime to figure out the computer program. Is that like uh, a
0: Cucumber? Is that like Cucumber? Have you I ever
1: seen that uh, cucumber? The test program is that the one you're mm-hmm. referring to.
0: Yeah, so it's like when when I press mm. blah blah mm-hmm. blah, this mm-hmm. will happen, and like then it knows how to execute based on the verbiage. It's almost like yeah. machine learning. I swear, mm-hmm. it's
1: crazy. Uh, it sounds at least related. Uh, this one, this the common one is more like James is my friend. Uh, Bill is the friend of James. Joe is the friend of Bill. Do I can I contact Joe? And it can figure things out. It can figure out relationships. It can figure out equality. It can figure out a lot of that kind of stuff. Pretty cool. Anyway, came back. Yeah, (laughs) there's kind of only one language in that camp, but it's so special and unique that it, it deserves to be pulled out into its own grouping. But going back overall, you have your procedural languages, your functional, and then you got these logic languages. So I would say in the procedural group, I'm sure you don't really have much trouble. If you wanted to learn Ruby, you could, right? You don't have any impediment, at least, in your way.
0: It seems like it's, it's it touches the internet and the web. So
1: Oh, uh, the web gets in your way? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Native it's programmer like over here, people. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, and that's the thing is, I think I even take then this procedural programming down to saying an object-oriented is like, well, is it desktop, like desktop yeah. slash mobile, like in mm-hmm. my world, or is it is it web? Because if I looked at something like ASP.NET, like which is just kind of a big library and it's C sharp and it's, you know, these razor templates. I can't even wrap my head around it because <laughs> it's the web, right? It's completely different yeah. than how I code for the desktop yeah, or just for a mobile. App service.
1: architecture, things like that, just how you yeah. think about data flow throughout the entire thing. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. And that doesn't have to do with the language, it has to do no. with like what I'm coding it for. <laughs> for sure. You know. So I think if I just wanted to learn Ruby as a language, I'm probably sure I probably yeah.
1: You'll get it. It's a class-based, object-oriented language. Not much to like see that. here. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that sounds
0: up my alley.
1: Now, uh, you could almost say the same thing about JavaScript. The weird thing is JavaScript does object-oriented programming very differently from the other ones. It's not mm-hmm. class-based, object-oriented programming. It's prototype-based, which is a fine distinction, but bites everyone in the foot while they're learning JavaScript. But I imagine you already know JavaScript because every it's required knowledge now, right? It, it wasn't. See, that's the thing.
0: JavaScript wasn't required knowledge when I went to school. It's oh, definitely you required. Said
1: you've totally avoided the web. You're like the one programmer oh. out there who's never had a web programming job.
0: Uh, I've never had a web programming job. No, wow. never. I, ju- I jumped in wow. right into working so on Xbox 360 games. <laughs> and then I worked at Canon and then I worked on mobile. Oh, um, now, that's not to say I didn't write web stuff. When I worked at my last company before joining Xamarin, the last project we did was like this Chromium and I had to write like all these like Hogan templates and like all this like, you know, Node.js stuff. And I I had to write JavaScript and I had a very difficult time writing it because I wanted to write it like it was C sharp, but it's not how you write JavaScript.
1: No, no it's not.
0: <laughs> but and, it, and it, it, it
1: even took the JavaScript year community years to figure that out too though. It's been a real yeah. learning process. Uh, for the nerds out there, JavaScript is based on a language called self, which is a really interesting object-oriented language, totally worth looking up. It's from the 70s. There's a really cool video on YouTube you can find. So, yeah, I'm a programming language nerd. Um, I'm a self-taught programmer, but from a book. So nothing makes me happier than picking up a book. And I've actually been blasting through a variety of languages lately. But... I totally get where you're coming from on this ASP.NET side because the very first thing I ask myself is, can I actually use this language to write the kind of apps that I want to write? Mm -hmm. And that really does boil down to uh, the apps that run where I want them to run Uh, because you can write the app as long as it runs. So I I, I get that side. And I I look at a lot of the languages. Um, Clojure. Uh, Clojure is a funny example because it's a Lisp. Lisp has its comebacks every 10 years. And it's a Lisp based on uh, the JVM, the Java virtual machine. Uh, But I totally ignored it because I'm like, well, that doesn't run on the iPhone. So who cares? But now there's actually a closure.net. And so I'm like, oh, okay, Lisp is back in my life. I wonder if I should gamble in here again. So I am just promiscuous with my programming languages. And it's hard for me not to be and not to think that way.
0: Well, so when you you said you're you're picked up some books. And I mean, the books that I picked up early on were this is an uh, this is a C sharp book. This is a Java book. And they're like these huge behemoth books, you know, and there's that joke out there, which is the, you know, uh, essential JavaScript and like JavaScript that you need to know it's like there it's like JavaScript (laughs) and JavaScript you need to know, right? And they're like literally 100 times the size. Um, And that's what it boils down to, and I feel like that's what is that is that how you learn? Do you pick up these books just at a language level, or are you learning in a different, like fun, different way? Of of yeah, you you you
1: can't read those tomes, those huge books, a thousand pages long. Oh my God, who can read that stuff? Uh, (laughs) Oh, but thank God (laughs) that's not how books have always been written. And so being the language nerd, I actually kind of always went back to the past. So I had to start out kind of, I didn't go all the way back, but I start out around the 1950s and start seeing what languages are around back then. And I'm totally going to screw it up, so I don't even want to name languages, but we're talking about the Lisps and the Fortrans and things like that, uh, PL1 and things like that. And back in the day, people could write really concise, really short books. <laughs> it was like some I don't think the publishing industry had figured out the correct way to monetize. I don't know what was going on, but <laughs> books were better written. <laughs> they were shorter, they were smaller, they were yeah, simpler. So a lot of what I refer to as book learning comes from actually these very old, sorry if you're older than me out there, but to me, very old books uh, that are very nicely written. So you just go to the masters, you find books by Nicholas Worth. you find every paper Knuth has written, uh, you find every book on Lisp that you can find, uh, and then they just branch out from there. It's only when you get into the more modern languages, I think that you have a little more difficulty uh, because no one writes good books anymore. So that approach yeah, I
0: feel like, doesn't I, work. I feel like everyone wants you to go to some website and then do a yeah. tutorial. Or
1: yeah. The getting started. You got to do... How does it go? Uh, the homepage is the one-line example. Then you got to do the getting started. Then you got to read through all the tutorials. Then you got to play in the playground for a while. And so what? You can do that for maybe about two or three hours before you lose interest, something like that. Even yeah, I, that's about... It's
0: yeah. about right. It's got to be fun. I think that's the thing is I want to learn stuff and I want it to be kind of fun. I want to, I think, apply it to what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I think that's why F sharp always intrigued me because I could mix it with my C sharp if I mm-hmm. needed to or completely write apps like you do and F sharp like you did with continuous and some of the other apps. Right, You're just doing this all in F sharp and then yeah. you give talks on and it's interesting. I go to, where was that? was that uh, VS live recently. And there was an F Sharp talk on how to build Xamarin apps, and I've I've gone to F Sharp for Xamarin uh, quite a few times, and this room was packed. Oh, really? And yeah, and the presenter um, she asked, you know, how many of you know what Xamarin is? Like, not very many people, just like a few. Like, oh, we understood a little bit, or how we're using it today with C Sharp. There's a few. I said, how many of you know F Sharp? And it was. 10%, right? Yeah. And to me, that's like, oh, it's an interest in I can take F sharp and I can write it on this. I've heard of this F sharp thing and it Mm. seems interesting. Like, do I need to learn it? Is it going to change my job structure at all?
1: Yes. Yes to all of the above. (laughs) The problem is it takes time to learn, honestly. Uh, I think I keep haltingly telling this story, but ever since 2004 through 2014, it took me to learn F-sharp to the point where I was actually comfortable. That's not true because I took many years off. So how do you you learn a language and really start applying it to your work? Because these people are interested. Do you think... um, they were interested in probably its data modeling aspects, but I think, I think I said before that to fully get the benefits of F# you have to buy into that other family of languages. You have to buy into yeah. that functional world. I think so. I don't know, I think- like a computer science-y approach. Have you tried maybe just learning Haskell just for like the one day tutorial, the Haskell one day tutorial, and then go back to F# and see how it applies to that language. Like yeah, I think that, the that's
0: like, like a it. yeah. I think that that's a good way to go around it. I feel like a lot of people now like their learning comes not from books, but it comes from I'm going to hop on Plural Cite really quick, and I'm going to take the yeah. C yep. sharp class. I'm going to take the F sharp class. I'm going to take this class and and go through it. Um, and I haven't tried that because I'm just not a I don't have a, a Plural Sight subscription, and <laughs> um, so I guess that's, <laughs> that's probably okay, my reason. issue. And Maybe I just haven't applied myself, and I think it comes back to what we're saying originally is that I need to find that that itch, right? That itch like you did for F sharp. And I think that will push me over the edge. So whatever that oomph is on the day-to-day basis will probably set me over to learn one of these languages. Cause I think I can go to, I think I, think I could go to a user group over and over again or a conference, I could try to learn F sharp, learn sure. F sharp, but it's not until I'm like, I really wanna do this one thing and I can't do it in C sharp. And I think we yeah. almost need a great idea and this is a great, I'm gonna throw it out there. Is mm-hmm. that languages could have like a challenge, like, a, and it could be a challenge of a walkthrough. But it's like here's how we do a challenge. This is something that you can't do in other languages. That is something really fun and cool that you're gonna learn. That's very unique. So it's like if you knew C yeah. sharp, here's like this really cool thing in F sharp that you're gonna learn the basic building blocks, and then you're gonna do something really cool that's like visualization or something like that. And like you're like, well, cool. I didn't know I could do that. Because um, I don't really want to spin up a new Hello World application, right? It's not
1: fun. <laughs> no. Oh, my I mean, I God. Do. You can I do. only have Hello else, World. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But... Uh, I 100% agree with you. I don't know if I'll be an early investor in your uh, app here, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I will say I really learned a language when I was solving a problem. Um, a, let me give two examples. Uh, I learned the programming language Erlang. Not because I was actually interested in it, but this is uh, the year 2006. And I am living in India and writing control software for naval craft. And it was such a bear. Just the guideline book for the errors that this thing has to be able to spew out and log and make lights blink and all that was one of those thousand page tomes. It was just Dictated was to the letter, yeah, the <laughs> of how this thing had to operate. Then all that stuff also had to operate as potentially a ship was being destroyed. So the bridge could be destroyed. The engine room can be destroyed. The machinery room can be destroyed. Things go about wrong on these ships, unfortunately. And so... I was writing this software that had to be hot swappable, distributed, cold swappable, everything on the above. It was the most rigorous software I've ever had to write where I was just paranoid to death about everything. And I wrote it all in C++. That's the punchline. You should insert a sound effect there. But <laughs> a Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so when I'd finished writing that software, I said, surely surely there has to be a better way to do this because that was terrible and I'm not even sure if it meets all those standards and all that stuff because oh my god in the end it's C++ with memory allocations and you're not even sure if that stuff is right ever yeah Yeah. so then I did an Internet search and just started searching basically for how do you write fault-tolerant software, (laughs) (laughs) particularly when the computer is actively being destroyed while the software is trying to run. (laughs) And I found this Ph.D. thesis by this funny student said um, how to create oh what's the name? It's like how to create fault-tolerant. Uh, programs in the face of software errors something like that and i'm like this guy is finally speaking the truth because he's like software contains errors and you just got to admit it you just got to move on there's bugs in there we only test you know we don't get all the edge cases and so his whole design and what eventually became erlang was how do i write software that never fails or at least when it fails it recovers and that Mm -hmm. becomes a big part of it and so I learned Erlang, which is a very hipster language right now. The cool cats are learning it for like Elixir and things like that. It's very powerful. It's very good uh, for the web because of its distributed nature. But I learned it for a wholly different reason. I was trying to learn from its error handling.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that. I think that's yeah. why um, often when I look back at my C++ days early on, I was like, I always thought there had to be a better way of, of doing this. I think that C++ was such a, a fundamental building block of, of learning a lot of um, fundamentals of development that I mm-hmm. definitely appreciate. I'm glad I don't have to write a lot of C++ now. I definitely know there's a lot of developers that are writing tons of C++ and then bring them into their C Sharp and they marshal across and they do all this crazy stuff, right? Um, yeah. which is cool that you can do that. But I feel like I feel like I just need to do it, right? I need to, yeah. to do this. And you were telling me earlier about a book that you're reading um, about yeah. learning Different languages, and it seemed unique to me because you said that you, it's about learning a language in a week. Because I think that's my thing is I need a goal. It's kind of like when mm-hmm. I used to play World of Warcraft a lot, right? You get a goal and you go kill like five boars and you collect gold and you're like, I did it, right? And you get so happy about it. It's like those small wins. <laughs> it's the gamification of ah, coding, almost. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's what my mind needs to be. It's not like Two I'm a gamer tells. anymore. But yeah, I need that. I need that. I need that adrenaline rush. Like oh, yeah. it's pheromones, or it's like oh, I did it. Like ooh, you know. Let's do it.
1: Well, so I'm so. just going to take. Ex- well, first, I'm going to say this book's perfect for you, and I promise I'll get to the title eventually. We won't leave people dangling for too long. But at the same time, I want to disagree with you first. That's always important. Uh, I think you, since you have kind of kept yourself in one little quadrant of the language pie, I would say it would actually this is perfect for you. You should learn a breadth of languages quickly. You should go over a large surface area and just see what's out there. You got to tour the city. Uh, don't focus on any one thing. Just see the whole world. It's kind and of like so, throw a bunch
0: of darts and see what sticks.
1: Not even what sticks. It doesn't matter if it sticks. Just throw the darts, man. Okay. No, stop worrying about the outcome. So... <laughs>
0: Just throw the darts. I like that. I like just that throw analogy. The darts, man. That's what I'm going to tell people. Like, you know, just
1: if you want to get into mobile development, just throw those darts. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't it. stick. It doesn't stick. Move on with your life. We're all adults. I like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, this book, for those who we've led along, is uh, called Seven Languages in Seven Weeks. And there's actually a follow-on to it: Seven More Languages in Seven, I think, more weeks, something like that. So this 14. book is fantastic. Yeah, I guess it's a fourteen-week program. Uh, I recommend a beach, something like that. Anyway, you should—I don't. Know, maybe you should be by a computer since it's computer language and all. So these books are what they say on the tin. Uh, they'll teach you seven languages in seven weeks, and the first book is pretty broad. It's going to cover languages that you already have a good feel for, and then it's going to cover one language that's just going to kind of blow your mind, hmm. and you'll never recover. Is it going to tell me like?
0: What I need to install, like, to get running. Because, oh, yeah. like, I'll have his Visual oh, yeah. Studio,
1: right? You, you, you'll fit. Yep. Good instructions. I don't, I don't know if they do Windows. And let's, I'm just flicking through real quick. I got a Mac. Darn, darn, darn. Yeah, anyway. They'll definitely work on a Mac, most likely on a Linux, and probably on a Windows. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> I like that. So, these are fun. So me uh, through this, this is your breath. Yeah. This, I want you to take a survey course. See all these languages out there.
0: And then we do a recap of, did James actually learn any <laughs> <new> language? <laughs> no, it's not
1: important to learn the language. It's uh, important for you to be introduced to the concepts. Every language is trying to give a slightly different way to solve a problem. You can solve... I mean, we have the Turing hypothesis, whatever it is, uh, saying you can. there are certain problems that can be solved, and for those problems, any sufficient language can solve them. Ignore that. You are going after concepts. You want to understand better ways to solve a problem not just a way to solve it better ways and keep your mind toward that
0: i like that it'll bring me back to my math classes as i learned and developed and got around there's multiple ways to solve a problem and what's the to me not only just like what's efficient but what's fun and what's enjoyable to how to solve that problem
1: yeah (laughs) and then you get into the hilarious cases you see someone was trying to solve the fizz buzz uh problem you know the fizz
0: I don't know the fizz, what's the fizzbuzz
1: problem. Okay, I <laughs> going on a little detour here, sorry, but uh, it's uh, I think Joel Spolsky came up with it. it. It was supposed to be like the dumbest interview question that you can possibly ask, and hopefully, but surprisingly, unfortunately, sometimes people still fail at it. It's something like uh, print out all the digits on the fives, print fizz on the threes, print buzz, and on the multiples of five or three, print fizzbuzz. I don't know. That's, it's something like that. That's the problem statement, and. Someone solved it with a neural network. (laughs) So (laughs) it was kind of hilarious. They just trained a neural network. They just kept feeding it numbers, feeding it the results they wanted, just kept patiently waiting for it. This is a trivial program to write in pretty much any language. And yet he taught a neural network how to do it. It was pretty hilarious. So (laughs) there are often weird solutions to every problem, too.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, I think that's a fun world of development languages and just development in general is that there's so many ways to get around something, to implement something. And there's always new programming languages happening. So I'm definitely going to pick up this book on Amazon. We'll put it in the show notes of the show. But I think I'm super interested in like what programming languages are people learning? Like how did they learn it? We'd love some show mm-hmm. feedback. Um, I'm super interested because I think I think I may pick up this book. I'm going to pick up the book. I'm going to try some stuff out. I'm going to throw a bunch of darts. Going to see what's happening. <laughs> um, report yes. back. Um, but who knows? Because I think everyone learns a little bit differently. So I'm super interested to see what did we miss. How are you guys learning? Uh, you guys and gals learning this stuff? Um, reach out to us. Uh, you can leave comments on the show notes uh, at MergeConflict.fm. Reach out to us on Twitter at MergeConflictFM, um, or reach out to us personally. I'm James Montemagno, and I'm Frank
1: Krueger.